Welcome to the Healing Circle Podcast, where we talk about everything mental health, faith, and relationships. Though this show is hosted by a licensed therapist, that's me, Kobe, I am not your therapist. These amazing conversations are meant to provide psych education and start some good conversation, but they're not meant to be a substitute for real therapy services. We're excited to learn, grow, and talk with you guys. So let's jump into today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Healing Circle Podcast. I'm Kobe Campbell. I'm a licensed trauma therapist and I answer your questions and talk about mental health, faith, and relationships. Today, we are going to be talking about past traumas, how to address them, and how to address them beyond using words. So let's jump right into it. This is the first question. Dear Kobe, how do you verbalize trauma you've repressed for so long? Well, one, I would say this, the way that this was said implies that this person knows what the trauma that was repressed was now, that they're now aware of that repressed trauma. So I want to clarify, because the first time I read it, I was like, okay, how do we verbalize something if it's repressed? Well, it's no longer repressed. It's something that was repressed. I think that our stories Rather, I know that we cannot heal apart from acknowledging and expressing the truth of our stories. We cannot heal apart from acknowledging and expressing the truth of what our stories are. We just can't. That doesn't mean that we have to tell the world. That doesn't mean that we even have to immediately tell a therapist. But here's what it does mean. It means that we have to acknowledge the story and tell it to ourselves, not to rehearse it, not to indoctrinate ourselves into the idea that we've been deeply wounded, but so that we can truly understand. Sometimes we think about something, we don't say it out loud. And then we keep moving on with our lives. Well, what happens when we move on with our lives? We give ourselves an opportunity through being distracted, busying ourselves, denying the truth of what we have to say. We give ourselves the opportunity to repress those memories again and be like, oh yeah, that did happen, but I'm just not going to look at it, right? Repression is about pushing away the truth of our experiences to keep us mentally, emotionally, and physically safe. When we tell the stories that reflect the pain that we've experienced, we gain access to the emotions in our bodies that are connected to those stories. And those emotions oftentimes have more details about those stories than our words do. So I would start with this. I would start with telling myself the story. I experienced this. It was so bad. It was so scary. My brain could not understand or compute what was happening to me to the extent that my brain pretended it didn't happen. But this is how I began to regain memory and awareness. We all regain memory and awareness of things that we've repressed or forgotten in completely different ways. It's as individual as we are people, right? So it's also important for us to understand like when repressed memories come up, how might it come up for me? It might be through a dream. It might be through um, a flashback memory. It might be through a sound, a smell, something sensory. 
taking the time to even write that down if you don't have the emotional capacity or courage to say it out loud to yourself. But I would start there. Like that's like very basic with no audience, no person. I would start by telling it to myself, writing it down, processing it, externalizing it, getting the story out of my body with my words, out of my mind with my words, having a place where I can concretely look at it and say, this is what happened to me. This is what I experienced. This is the pain that I'm carrying even right now, right? Another thing is this is perfect for what therapy is for. Therapists, specifically therapists who are trained in trauma, specialize in helping people do exactly what this question is about, like me, which is probably why you asked me to talk about this on my podcast, right? Their job is to help you come into the truth of your story as gently, as tenderly, as quickly, or as slowly as you need to. And then the job as you process this stuff is to help you write a new story, a a better story, a different story, right? And this is where um, the specialty of being trauma-informed really matters. Why? Because the whole point of this thing being repressed is that it scared us so badly, it was so overwhelming that our brain and body shut it down. If we try to come into awareness of that too quickly, or are forced into that awareness by like a trigger or a reminder or a memory, we can shut down again. There are safety measures, right? This is called resourcing in the trauma world. We do resourcing. Resourcing is about giving you access to the positive um, emotions, to the sensations of safety and peace and tenderness that you have now, that you have access to right now, that you don't have to like go out and find through some activities. It's about reminding you, you have resources to endure this right now. And if something happens, here's a quick resource. By something happening, if you feel super overwhelmed, if you feel like I'm going to have a panic attack, if you feel like I just need to shut down, it's not always, sometimes it is about stepping into the truth and that can feel hard and that can feel like I'm being pushed to do that. It is not always about pushing yourself. It's about pushing, rather, it's not always about being pushed by others. That's a better way for me to say that. It is about you pushing yourself. In my trauma work for myself and for my clients, anytime my clients do something hard, it's because they really want to. It's because they're torn inside, because they're like, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it, but I do, but I know I have to, but I know I should, but I know I want to, but I know I want freedom. That is the push. But that push can only come from inside of you. That desire to step into something hard and possibly scary, but also renewing and freeing, that's not something someone can push you into externally. It's something that you have to want to push yourself into. But you have to have the resources to know that I can deal with what's on the other side. That's what resourcing is about in the trauma world. Before we start any trauma work, we do resourcing. So that when you step into the hard thing, when you are ready, you have the ability to say, I can deal with whatever's on the other side. I can deal with whatever's over there, right? So I would say, start with yourself, right? Many of us trauma survivors, if there's anyone that's safe to us, it's us. We are our own safe place, right? 
So start there. And then I would see a therapist. And when you go to therapist therapy, you don't have to jump straight into your trauma. You therapy, like every other relationship, you can get to know them. You can, you can be like, Hey, I want to get to know you more. Here's more about my life. And they should be asking about your life. No therapist should be jumping straight into a treatment plan. Every therapist that you see should be starting with, unless they've gotten, you know, um, some type of release, even if they get a release from another, your past therapist to get some information, they should be getting to know you the first one or two sessions by asking you really detailed questions about your life, about your patterns, your habits, and about your family and your background. So don't feel like you have to come into therapy and immediately jump straight into the hard things. You can acknowledge, hey, there's some trauma I want to deal with, but it's okay for you to build trust instead of jumping right in. This is not about re-traumatizing yourself. It's about reminding yourself that there are safe places for you to heal. Thank you so much for sending in that message. Um, That was really good. I think a lot of people need that. A lot of people need... um, need a space and need a person who can speak into that because I'll tell you what, this is not (laughs) my clinical opinion. It's really not. But I really feel like mid twenties to early mid twenties to mid thirties is when I have seen most people become awakened to repressed memories. They usually think they're dreams or, or intrusive thoughts. I just had this random thought. That's crazy. Or I had a dream. That's crazy. And I tell you what, I personally, me as a person, a therapist, not saying that this is a clinical value that all therapists ascribe to, I have never not seen that end up being a repressed memory. Not once. Um, And it's always corroborated by another person who was there and who was like, yeah, that did happen, right? Anyways, we have another submission that I want to get into Let's jump right into it. Dear Kobe, what do you do when you know the cycle you're in is problematic and you seek help from a therapist, but you still have difficulty opening up? Even though you're trying to open up, it still seems like it's not enough for your therapist to help. Hmm, that is such a sticky situation. Obviously, I don't know the specific uh, like nuance of your of your experience with that therapist. I do want to start off with anything I have to say. I want to start off with this. Therapy takes time to work. And there is a type of attentiveness and attention that your therapist needs to give you and needs to receive from you for them to help you in a way that is personalized to you. I think sometimes we have this idea that we come into therapy, I tell you just what my problems are, and then you hurry up and give me the solution right? But the truth is when you go to therapy, abuse for one person may be completely different than abuse for someone else. And those, even if they experience abuses that are similar, those two abuses may mean different things and may cause different identity wounds, may have different negative core beliefs, may have different limiting beliefs attached to them based on your context. If there's anything I can tell you about trauma, it's deeply personal, it's deeply contextual, which means we need a lot of information about who you are, what you value, what specific things mean to you. Second thing, and I really mean this with the kindest heart, therapy works as much as you are honest, and then also as much as your therapist is a good therapist, right? But 
therapy works as much as you're honest. I think a lot of us do not want to be fully seen. We're trying to figure out how to be healed without being fully seen. We're trying to figure out how to get the healing. We want a therapist to pass this baton, give us the resources, and then we'll go off into our dark corner and we'll figure it out ourselves with all the secrets that nobody knows about but us. That defeats the point of healing. Why does that defeat the point of healing? That defeats the point of healing because the very things that are in the corner of your life that you don't want anyone to see that are in the shadows are the very things that need the most help, the very things that need eyes and that need compassion, that need tenderness, that need empathy, that need proof, real life tangible proof that someone can see those versions of yourself and still love you, be for you, be faithful to you and have unconditional positive regard towards you. But most of us want to only share the things that like, like I'm sharing the tip of the iceberg and then I'll figure it out myself. But the truth is because you've been inundated with shame and with fear for so long, you actually don't know how to figure it out yourself. Right. And part of the fact that we're seeking out help and have experienced trauma, we naturally struggle to trust people. Right. Even when we're over trusting people, (laughs) We still internally have trouble with trust, period, like the bounds of trust, how much, how little we should give to people. So it is okay for you to share that with your therapist and say, hey, therapy is not working the way that I thought it would. But I also know I'm really struggling with being completely transparent with you. What are some ways that you can help me build trust with you so I can open up with you more? I tell my um, healing circle um, how to heal intensive attendees all the time. Healing is not the goal. It's the byproduct. Healing is not the goal. It's the byproduct. When we make healing the goal, we are willing to push anything aside to get to it. When we see healing as the byproduct of boundaries, acceptance, courage, and connection, then we allow it to naturally be a product of how we treat ourselves. It demands that we care about ourselves in a very specific way to be healed. It demands that we interact with people in a certain way to be healed. And when I say to be healed, I really mean to be on the path of healing because obviously healing is not a destination. It's a journey, right? But I say this because for many of us, we, are, we just want to give just enough to get the help. But the help that we need is not necessarily in the things, it's in how the things affected who we are. So really the target is not about healing whatever the issue you have is. The the target is also about, rather the target is not only healing whatever you're bringing to your therapist, the target for um, your therapy is also you healing the lack of trust that you have for other people. And so I would make that the goal instead of whatever you're presenting to your therapist for them to fix. I would say, hey, I would like to change my treatment goal to me developing trust. Because if you don't trust your therapist to help you, you're still walking away with a wound. And if your therapist can help you without you trusting them, one, they're a dang good therapist. And that is possible. There are therapists who know how to truly give you the resources and let you go do what you need to do. But for me, it's not It's not just about the things. It's about the identity wounds, the heart wounds, the soul wounds, the spirit wounds. And 
if we leave therapy with those spirit wounds, then we haven't experienced the fullness of what God has for us in therapy. And that's my hope is that everyone gets to experience that. Also, we have to remember that when we're processing things, we don't always have to process with words. Sometimes we think trust is just about sharing words and some people are just not comfortable expressing, putting words to, explaining over and over the traumatic things they've been through. Do we need to talk about it? Yes. But do we need to talk about it all the time? No. Actually, we don't, right? That's why things like EMDR, eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing, psychodrama, um, uh, experiential therapies, somatic experiencing. That's why these therapies are so helpful. It was really helpful for me in my process because it helped me process the sensations that came up related to these experiences in my body. It helped me process the physical sensations, the emotional residue, the biological residue and imprint of these things in a way that the distress that was attached to my past experiences was was, uh, resolved And once it was resolved, I no longer needed to talk about it. And when I did talk about it, I wasn't in distress anymore, right? I know that might be really confusing (laughs) and weighty for people who are new to the therapy world, but that's a real thing. Sometimes words are not the only way that we process how we're feeling. It is a part of how we process, but it's not the only way, right? And we can process on a biological level the effects of trauma, because there are biological effects of trauma. You know, um, Kaiser Permanente um, did a, um, made a survey called the ACEs survey, Adverse Childhood Experiences Survey. And there's 10 questions to my knowledge. And when you, um, they ask a bunch of questions about whether you've experienced specific types of trauma. And for each thing that applies to you, you click, you tick a one, like you, you know, say yes, right? So for each trauma you've experienced, you you put a one. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. I'm fighting off this cold my entire life. Um, and at the end of it, if you have four or more points or four or more ticks, you are at severe risk, not just for emotional issues, but for physical health issues, right? There are 12.5% of adults who surveyed at having a score of four or more right? And they, scientists began to like see the connection between people who scored a four or more and people's health outcomes, right? It meant if you had more than four ticks, you had a really bad um, likelihood of having positive health outcomes. And here are some of them. A person with a score of four or more points on the survey was four and a half times more likely to deal with depression, two and a half times more likely to develop chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, and 12 times more likely to experience suicidality. 12 times. A person who scored seven points or more on the ACEs study had three times the lifetime risk of developing lung cancer and three and a half times the risk of ischemic heart disease, which is the number one cause of death in the United States. Our trauma is not just this emotional thing that's like in our brain and in our soul. It's something that resides in our body. And so sometimes our inability to feel like the words that have been given to us are sufficient enough or because our body needs, our body experiences trauma, our body needs to resolve the trauma. And that's why things like EMDR, 
um, psychodrama, somatic experiencing, experiential therapies. That's why those things are so helpful because they give our body an opportunity to process the reality of the trauma we've experienced and they help us to talk about these things without experiencing the physiological and the biological effects of being in distress because of the ways that we're activated when we think about those things, right? So you guys, thank you for joining today's podcast. That is it for today. If you um, are looking for a therapist who specializes in something like EMDR. I'm going to put the link for EMDRIA, which is the International Association for EMDR. It literally has all the therapists in the entire world who practice EMDR. You'll catch your girl on there and several other clinicians who are in your state. Feel free to reach out to them and ask them to share and dig deeper into what EMDR is. Secondly, we got to get right into things that I am loving. Things that I'm loving, especially because fall is coming up. I have this like matte black Target mug and it is the just looking at the mug makes me feel cozy, you guys. It is my favorite mug. I saw my sister-in-law have it and I loved it so much. I literally scoured Targets for it, found it and was like, this is the one. So that is what I have been loving. And I have been loving Target's candle. I think it's called like something Palo Santo. I don't know what it is, but the candle smells delicious. It smells like a black man that loves you. That's literally, I don't even know how else to explain it. It's just what it smells like, guys. I love it so much. Where anytime I light it, it just smells like Kyle to me for some reason. It doesn't even smell like his cologne, but it smells like him. And I just love it so much. So that is going to be in the show notes. I have one last thing. If you made it this far, you get to hear the tea, the tea, the tea. Two, well, I said one last thing, but I really got two things. One, I am starting a membership community and I cannot wait to launch it. You guys, make sure that you join my email list so that you don't miss a single thing when it comes to this membership community. Every single resource I have ever made is going to be in this community. There are going to be courses and devotionals that are only accessible to this community, live conversations, live trainings, live workshops, and us just cutting up and kikiing together and having a good time. It is going to be our safe place to land, our sacred place, the inner circle. So please join my email list if you want to keep up to date. Also, your girl's book is almost ready, almost done. The New York Times bestseller is not going to know what hit them from little old Charlotte, North Carolina, and I need your help making this dream come true. I need your help because I know that little people like us can do big things too because we have a big God on our side. There have been so many times I've wavered behind like between the idea of like, oh, maybe I should stop sharing that dream or maybe I just should let it go, whatever. As long as the book is published, that's enough. Yes, that's enough for someone, but God, you know, that's not enough for me. I want to see you do the exceedingly abundantly and above all that I can think or ask. I can think pretty big, God, so I need you to show me bigger and I need you to send me people who can help me reach the bigger, help be hands and feet for the bigger that you want to bring in my life. So 
If you want to be a part of my book launch team, join my email list. Make sure you sign up. I'm going to be sharing some information really, really soon about how you can help me spread this message of healing and restoration and the tenderness of God's love for us in the midst of it all far and wide. I love you guys so much. I cannot wait to connect with you guys further. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Kobe Campbell underscore. You'll catch a little more real version of me on TikTok at Kobe Campbell underscore. I'll talk to you guys soon until the circle comes back around. Bye, guys. Thank you.